Well, I'm going to begin with the Passover history. Where did all this come from? The Israelites were released from bondage there in Egypt. Amazing that God had this plan to save them uh, from the plague of the death of the firstborn. If you remember, Moses uh, couldn't bear to see his brethren uh, suffering at the hands of the Egyptians. And he pleads with God, he sort of says something along, why have you done evil to this people? But God then promises redemption is close at hand, and so it is for us in Jesus Christ. Their redemption was close at hand by the hand of God upon them. And now uh, you shall see what I will do to Pharaoh, he says to Moses. For with a strong hand, he's going to let them go. And with a strong hand, he's going to drive them out of his land, out of Egypt. Chase them out, in fact. And that was a masterpiece because there were millions of Jews. It wasn't just a handful. We understand that there were millions who had to cross the sea that night. And God reveals himself to Moses, employing the four expressions of redemption. You see, he promises to take his children out of Egypt, out of the world. He promises to take us out of the world in Jesus Christ. That's what he does, Egypt, the world. He was going to deliver them from their enslavement. He delivers us from our enslavement to sin. He redeemed them and acquired them as his own chosen people. Yes, we are his own chosen people. He chose them at Mount Sinai. He will then bring them to the promised land. The promised land that had been spoken of to the patriarchs as their eternal heritage. And so God promises these things to us, an eternal home. Moses and Aaron repeatedly, and this is quite important, the ten plagues. And the ten plagues are basically to show that God was greater than their gods. All these plagues a representative of gods in Egypt. And God showed that whatever their gods could do, he had power over them all. And yes, Moses and Aaron came in the name of the Lord. And they were basically saying, let my people go so that they may serve God in the wilderness, that they would serve the Lord in the wilderness. And Pharaoh just keeps refusing to let them go. And Aaron's staff, if you remember, turns into a snake and swallows up the magic sticks of the Egyptian sorcerers. I couldn't believe it. They were there, sorcerers, who were overcome by God. And Pharaoh still refuses to let the Jews go. And Moses warns him that God will deal with Egypt. 
he will bring calamity upon them. But Pharaoh remains resolute, impervious to what is being said. And so the world does today. God begins to send a series of plagues that we all know upon the Egyptians. And in the throes of each plague, Pharaoh promises to let the children go. Yes. Oh, we'll let you all go. Yes. As long as the plague ends. And then as soon as the plague's ended, he, he changes his mind again. And do we not know this in the world? When there's adversity, we promise to do this, we'll do that. And then when the adversity is over, people forget it. The first plague was the plague uh, when Aaron struck the Nile. Uh, this was uh, the first of the plagues. And the water, if you remember, turned to blood. And secondly, swarms of frogs overran the land. And thirdly, lice infested all men and beasts. And still Pharaoh remained stubborn after these plagues. And then there were hordes of wild animals invading the cities and the like. And the fifth plague was a pestilence uh, that kills the domestic animals. Yes, if that happened today, people, a lot of people would be upset if they're domestic animals and they'd probably do anything uh, to save their dear animals and the sixth was painful boils that came upon the Egyptians and then fire and ice combined to descend from the skies of a devastating hail and still Pharaoh's heart would not change it was hard as stone and he wouldn't let the children go, as God had said to Moses. You see, the people of Egypt were suffering a lot. And they come to Pharaoh and beg him to let the Jews go. Get rid of these Jews. We're really suffering. Seven plagues. What next? Um, you say that you want to go and serve your God? Well, let them go. But then it was like, well, the men can go and the women have to stay here. And stay behind. No, says Moses, we all go or none of us go. Pharaoh once again refuses. And the next plague that comes upon them is a swarm of locusts that eats up all their crops. If you've seen a swarm of locusts, well, within minutes, all vegetation is gone. In fact, I think uh, Brother Aurelio might know that. There's some grasshoppers or things that come in Madeira because Albert phoned me up one day and he said, oh, your lawn's been eaten in an instant. I've had to get some spray to get rid of them. And they do. They come and devour everything. And in the ninth plague, they had a thick, palpable darkness enveloped the land. And then the Israelites are instructed to bring a Passover offering. A Passover offering to God. A lamb to be slaughtered and its blood was to be sprinkled on the doorposts and lintel of every Israelite's home so that God should pass over those homes when he came to kill the Egyptians firstborn and it wasn't just 
the men, it was uh, man, it was their animals too. And the roasted meat of the offering is to be eaten that night together with uh, matzah, unleavened bread, and with bitter herbs. And this is, the Jews will be remembering this at their Passover, which is uh, very soon. Well, it's right now, I believe, we're in the midst of Passover for the Jews. And they will be remembering their escape from Egypt. And then God brings this tenth plague, all the firstborn of Egypt killed with a stroke of midnight. The stroke of midnight. The fifteenth of the month of Nisan. And then the death of the firstborn finally breaks Pharaoh's resistance. He literally begs the children of Israel to leave. Get out, get out, get out. I've had enough. And following God's command, they hastily depart. So hastily there is no time for their dough to rise. And the only provisions they take along are unleavened bread. Before they go, they ask the Egyptian neighbours and they get gold, silver and garments. Um, and they go off quite wealthy out of Egypt. God bless them in that way. And the children of Israel then are commanded to observe the anniversary of the Exodus each year by removing all leaven from their possessions for seven days, eating matzah and telling the story of their redemption of their children. How often do we tell our children the story of redemption? How often do we tell others the story of redemption? It's been told to us. How often do we say what took place there at Calvary's Hill to others? From men, women, boys and girls. Our redemption from sin, redeemed, ransomed, healed, restored, forgiven there at the cross. And soon after all of this, the children of Israel uh, leave Egypt. But Pharaoh is close uh, behind them. And the Israelites find themselves trapped between Pharaoh's armies and the sea. But God instructs Moses, doesn't he, to raise his staff over the water. And the sea splits before them. And it was over two million who crossed that night through the Red Sea to allow the Israelites to pass through. And then closes over the pursuing Egyptians. Moses and the children of Israel Sing a song of praise and gratitude to God. How often do we sing a song of praise and gratitude to God for our salvation in Jesus Christ? How often are we grateful? We often moan and groan, but how often are we grateful for our great salvation? And in Mark chapter 14, verses 1 to 25, uh, we find here the account of our Lord getting ready to remember Passover, that exact account of what took place there in Egypt so many years before. You see, did Christ, I ask, pour out his soul unto death for us? If he did, what do we think of him? Do we give him, as it were, the precious ointment of our best affections, that 
lady there who poured the oil on it was the precious ointment of her best affection. She couldn't do anything better as it were for him. So she pours this oil over him. Ointment. So let us, brothers and sisters, love him with all our heart, mind, body and soul. Why? Because he wants our hearts. Our hearts are desperately wicked. And they can only be made right when we're washed in the blood. The stone told to, made to putty. Our hearts renewed. He will give us a new heart, you know. He will. He died for us. He loves us. And he will give us a new heart. And in Mark 16, Christ commended the woman's spiritual attention, if you remember there. He brings the attention to the whole world. This account, whenever it's read, is a memorial to her. To know what she did that night in which our Lord was betrayed. She poured precious ointment on him. She loved him so much. She believed him. She believed in him. Uh, do we? So it's now before us. Throughout the generations what she did that night. And those that honour Christ, he will honour. And so it is with us. He will honour. So if our nations there in Madeira and other places are honouring God, he will honour our nations, each one of us. When we turn to God and repent. So let us remember these great things that we have before us. You see, then Judas comes along and his sin was very much like Adam's sin. He coveted. That was his first love. He coveted. It caused him to sin by betraying his beloved master for 30 pieces of silver. And that was in the Old Testament too. It's all there. I don't know why they didn't pay him 29 pieces of silver because then it would have meant he wasn't the Messiah but 30 pieces of silver meant he was the Messiah. You see the devil just knew where to tempt Judas and so he conquered him and he knows exactly where to tempt us and try to conquer us but we stand firm and say get behind me Satan with the Lord's and to ourselves we should say our consciences when the flesh overcomes us and see here what wicked devices uh, many have in their sinful pursuits but what appears too is that though their plans are advancing they're going to be a curse upon them in the end they will be a curse nothing could be less the result of human foresight than events which are spoken of here our Lord knows brothers and sisters all things about us before they come to pass he knows about this coronavirus he knows all about our sadnesses, our grieving. He knows all about it before it came to pass. If we let him in, 
and we have to open the door. If you've seen the picture of Holman Hunt, with Christ knocking at the door, he says, I stand at the door and knock. There's no handle on the outside. He can't let himself in. We have to open the door with our heart and let him in. And if we let him in, he will dwell in our hearts, brothers and sisters. Will we let him have our hearts? Or are they too precious to us that we want to remain in Egypt? The Son of Man goes, as it written of him, as a lamb to slaughter. This is our Saviour. And they remember that tomorrow. But woe to the man by whom he is betrayed. God allows, he's allowing the sins of men and bringing glory to himself out of them. Does not cause them to sin. And will this be any excuse for their guilt or lessen their punishment? Do you know it's all our own fault? Not God, we can't blame anyone else. The mess we're in is our own fault. We've brought all these things upon us that are taking place even now in our world. It's our fault. We've gone away from God. We've left our first love. And we should see, as we will on the Lord's Day morning, the Lord's Supper is food for the soul. Soul food. And therefore very little of that which is for the body. It's soul food. It is soul for our food. It's food for our soul. And it was instituted by the example and the practice of our Lord and Saviour there in the upper room. This was the Passover there in Egypt was a type of Christ's coming. The Passover of the firstborn. And the Passover of us took place there the night our Lord was betrayed. When he died on Calvary's hill for you and for me. And this memorial is to remain in force till he's coming again. We say until he comes. I remember Brother Philip saying that so often. Until he comes. It was instituted with blessing and giving of thanks. To be a memorial for our Saviour's death. And frequent mention is made of his precious blood as the price of our redemption. How comfortable are poor sinners. Sinners repenting that the blood of Jesus is shed for many. If for many, why not for us? His blood was shed for many. You might say, why not for us? Why not? Each one of us could say, why not for me? It was a sign of the conveyancing, as it were, of the benefits purchased for us by his death. So 
So if we apply the doctrine of Christ crucified to ourselves, may it be meat and drink for our souls, strengthening and refreshing our spiritual life as we look back on what God did there at Calvary's hill for us, the perfect lamb without spot or blemish, just as those who uh, went uh, the Passover, the animal had to be without spot, without blemish, the firstborn. It was to be an earnest foretaste of the happinesses of heaven. Know how happy heaven is, and Brother Philip is there now enjoying the happinesses of heaven, and thereby to put us out of the way of the world, tasting the pleasures and delights of our senses. This is not what it is. It's a real spiritual sense that we need. And everyone that has tasted spiritual delights, have we tasted the marvellous delights in the word of God? Straightway desires eternal ones. Though the great shepherd passed through his suffering without one fourth step. And that's why we're redeemed. Ransomed, healed, redeemed, forgiven. Yet his followers have often been scattered. And are we not scattered today? We can't meet in a building. We're scattered by the small measure of sufferings allotted to them. Yes, being a faithful servant of the Lord doesn't mean we will have health, wealth and prosperity and life without trial. He doesn't promise us that. He promises he will be with us for always. And Peter did not engage his brain and knowledge when he answered his master. His answer should have been given with fear and trembling. So may the Lord give us grace to keep us from denying our Lord. Peter denied his Lord, didn't he? He didn't think, I never knew the man. I never knew the man. Will we deny our Lord? What an opportunity we have now in this terrible time to remind people of our great redemption just as the Jews are doing with their families uh, during the next few days, reminding them that children have to recount what took place there in Egypt. Do we recount to our children, to our neighbours, our friends, uh, what took place there on Calvary's Hill? So let us rejoice that we have a great redemption through the Passover lamb who was without spot or blemish, that gave his life for ours, if we will let him into our hearts and we repent, and he will mould us and make us after his will. May we rejoice that this Easter time in our Saviour, and all have assurance that we shall go to heaven at last, saved by his precious blood alone. Amen.